want you guys to open your Bibles to Psalms 127, Psalm 127. This is our fourth week in our Arrow series as we're looking at what it takes to live towards the target, to aim ourselves toward what God desires for us. And um, let's just stand to our feet real quick and get right into the word this morning. And so it says in Psalms 127, 1 through 2, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless who builds? Yeah, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor build it in vain. Unless the Lord watches, who watches? Yeah, over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Oh, I love that passage of scripture. That's the first part of our jumping off scripture, this whole series, as we're looking at arrows, which are our children that are in the hands of an archer, that's you as a parent, launching them toward the target, that is the things of God. And this is the thing that it starts with. It starts with this idea of God building a house, amen? And then when he builds a house, it's not in vain. And so we're gonna look at that today. I wanna start with prayer, is that all right? Jesus, over the next few minutes, visit with us, Lord. Lord God, I thank you for the word that you've shared in my heart. Lord, just bring it forth as you please today. Let us leave here changed by the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and have your seats. As you take your seat, I just want to also add my invitation to next Sunday night. Come to the, the healing night, the night of healing. We want you to be here. Literally, if you have people that you're talking to, here's what I think is going to happen this week. You're going to be talking to somebody, and they're like, yeah, I've been sick. Yeah, I've been going through this. Yeah, I've been dealing with that. You need to come with me. Everybody say that. You need to come with me. You need to come with me. On next, night, on next Sunday night. To Momentum Church. Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that we're special, Amen. Amen? It's that he is going to be present. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say it again. It's not that we're special, but we're ready. Amen. Shout, we're ready. we're ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not special, but we're ready. And he is going to be present to do what he desires in this place. I don't think we're going to have, I can tell right now, whew, just the move of the spirit that's here right now. I can sense God all this morning in this place. God's already just, just waiting for that moment to just, my dad would say he's going to kiss earth and we're going to get caught in the smack. That's what my dad would say. You ready to get caught in the smack? So I would ask you, between now and this end of this week, next Sunday, begin to pray. Take some time to fast as God leads you, okay? But just, you're a partner in what God's going to do next Sunday night. It's not just the ministry. It's you as well. We're all going to come ready for what God's going to do. And so also along those lines, next Sunday, get ready, get ready. Next Sunday morning with baptism, preparing your hearts, getting things ready to, to lead your family forward. If you've not been baptized, you know, man, it's going to be powerful. If you have children that are of the right age, you know, that age of accountability, they understand what salvation and baptism means, um, they can be baptized as well. After this service, as they said, they'll have a meeting with you regarding that. And so down the hall, all right? So let's get back into this. So the Lord builds, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor build it in vain. What it is, is the Lord partners with us and we partner with him. You're not alone in building your house. Thank God. If you got some children like I got, you need Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, my little three-year-old, Arden, O-M-Golly. This week, she goes, hey, Daddy, I learned a bad word. And I said, what? I'm just expecting something. She said, effer. 
She didn't say F. It's in your brains. I'm sorry I did that to you in church. You know, some of y'all are just so perfect. And she said that word, my three-year-old. And I'm like, are you listening to your mom again? <laughs> no. No, but I did ask her. I'm like, Arden, we don't say those words. And she said, that's a bad word. It's a bad word. That's a bad. And she keeps, I'm like, no, stop it. And then Mac's going, we just say F word. No, Mac. We don't just say F word either. Well, that's better than, no, stop. You know? So we found out one of her little girlfriends had told her this word. It's a bad word. Don't say it. You know what? Like every one of us, you tell us not to do something. It has been a, a, a chore with my little sailor mouth child, <laughs> even yesterday morning. I mean, she just, Daddy, today I'm going to say pretty words. I am not going to say, and <laughs> right on top of the steps, I'm down here, I'm looking up at her, I'm just like, you little heathen. <laughs> so unless the Lord partners with us, it's off or not. It's, it's useless. We need his help. Amen. <laughs> So when it comes to this scripture, though, watch what it's saying. Unless the Lord builds, it's in vain. Unless the Lord watches, it's in vain. I love this. It's in vain mentality. It's in vain to rise up early and go late to rest. In other words, to work yourselves to death for just what you're trying to build, because this is the juxtaposition of this. The first thing is what the Lord's building. Now it's kind of talking about a little bit what you put your focus on. And if you're putting your focus on everything that you can build and everything that you can do and all your stuff, it's exhausting. It'll wear you out. Our efforts, apart from his partnership, will lead to useless exhaustion. That's one of them tweetables. Our efforts, apart from his partnership, will lead to useless exhaustion. As a pastor, there's times where I have done the useless efforts and worked so hard and so hard and so hard, and it has brought nothing why? Because it's just, it's vanity. It's, it's me doing what I need to do, what I want to do, what I think will serve the king. No, no, God has a different plan. And I don't know what the plan is he has for you. All I'm saying is, if he's building it, man, there's not that exhaustion in a sense. But there's a lot of things that our efforts, we, we do outside of his partnership, and it leads us to exhaustion. It's exhausting investing in what's next, isn't it? I mean, just think about it. Man, we got Thanksgiving coming up. Man, we got to buy turkey. We got to do this. We got to do that. It's exhausting our whole lives. I'm not saying it's wrong, but we'll kill another bird next year. You know? Or you vegans, you can have whatever vegans have. You know? Boredom. I don't know what you have on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Big heaping slices of boredom. I don't know what you have on Thanksgiving. It just wouldn't be my Thanksgiving, you know? But, but, but it's exhausting to think about all the things you got to do, all the running you got to do. And, and, and there'll be another soccer game, and there'll be another this, and there'll be another anniversary. No, those are, those are important. Those are important. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm one that kind of runs for my birthday. And not that I care about getting older. I, I enjoy getting older. I'm loving this, you know. I just, it's just, it, if it's the big days, 40th birthday, I wanted something big. Here in about four years, 50th, man, I want something. I want a partay, you know. 46, and eh, not so much, you know. And Amy, she's just so much. Like, this week, we're going to do something for your birthday. I'm like, what, you know, whatever, you know. But, but no, because it's just been another one. In some ways, the things in the earth are just temporal. They're, they're not wrong, but if they have all my focus, they're temporal. If that's what my target always is at, the temporal, it's just uselessly exhausting. And it doesn't net anything in the eternal. 
And so I think the scripture is speaking to that. This whole challenge of heritage, this whole challenge of something that outlives you, this whole challenge that God is giving is trying to get our focus right. And here it's talking about this house that the Lord builds and that that house is not built in vain. This, 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 this watchman watching over and protecting, it's not done in vain because the Lord is doing this for us, you know? Um, so what does our partnership with God look like? I've been telling you this at nauseum, but we'll get it, okay? Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. A lot of times I think in Scripture we look at things as optional. Well, that's a nice, that's, that's nice. I, I might seek. If I do, there's a promise. If I don't, I'll still claim the promise, Right? I still want all things to be added unto me, even if I look at my life and I realize everything about my life is focused on the temporal. Everything is focused on that which is vain, that which will fly away. But I want to claim the promise. I want to hold on that all these things, God, you're going to partner with me and everything is going to be added unto you. Well, you know what? That partnership with God is conditional. Is your salvation conditional? Yes. It is. If you repent, if, everybody say if. That, that, that's the start of a conditional statement. If you repent of your sins, you know? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Amen? So now it's earned by grace. It just comes. You can't earn it. It just comes by grace. But there's a condition to it. That's the same way with all the promises of God. And I think a lot of our exhaustion in life centers around our focus on the temporal, not the eternal. Myself included. This sermon was a hard one to prepare because a few reasons. One, I got a lot of scripture, okay? We're just gonna have just big blocks of word today. Is that okay? So I may leave here today not being the best um, preacher in the sense of bringing you great stories. And, you know what I mean? Sometimes I do that. I don't care, okay? <laughs> this is, I want you to hear what the word is saying today, all right? Um, but, but when it comes down to this idea of seeking first, that means that there's only one target. That's the kingdom. It's the things that are eternal. That's the main target. So yes, I go and I support my kids in their sports and in their activities, but that's not the main thing. Their character development that makes them a quality person that will continue to lead people to the things of Jesus that points them to heaven, that's the target. And so yes, I do all the temporal things, but the focus is eternal. You are parenting on the edge of eternity, amen? And if we don't look at it that way, it will be exhausting. If we don't look at it that way, man, this is a spiritual battle we're in, leading our families forward. But man, there's a watchman, and he does not watch in vain. That's God, amen? And he's partnering with you as we partner with him. And so there's lots of arrows, but there's only one target. You know, in 2004, there was a man by the name of Matthew Emmons. He was going for a gold in rifle shooting in the Olympics. And so all he has to do, all he has to do is hit the target. That's it. Anywhere on the target. He was so advanced in his shooting. Anywhere on the target, and he has the gold medal. It doesn't matter. He just hits the target, and he's got the gold medal. So he lines up his sights. He looks downrange. He pulls his trigger. Boom. And as soon as it hits the bullseye, boom, a fault flag goes up in the air. This is his look as he sees the fault flag fly. Huh? The ranger is looking, saying, man, it's a fault. You missed it. They told him that he got a perfect shot. He got it on the wrong target. 
Can you imagine that? This target. No, that target. He was just off, but he hit a bullseye. And I think it speaks to us. We're hitting bullseyes in a lot of areas, but a lot of those things we're shooting at and aiming at, it's just the wrong target. Or it needs to be a target that is secondary to the first shot, seeking first his kingdom. Amen? That bullseye has got to be the focus. I want you to hit the target with your family. I want you to hit the target with all the different things that you're, with your job. Yeah, I don't want you, man, I want you to be a schlep. Get in there and do a good job. It points people to Jesus when you do a good job, right? Yeah, it does. And so I want you hitting the target, okay? But man, that first primary target, that, that seeking first the kingdom is so important. Because a lot of us, I think what we're doing, we're hitting targets, but we're missing what really matters. Let me say that again. We're hitting targets, but we're missing eternity. We're missing the eternal. We're missing what matters, what lasts. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is the subject of, you ready for the air to go out of the room? The subject of stewardship. Oh, it's a money sermon. Well, kind of, kind of, it is. Cindy's like, that's all right, preach it. I come all the way from Florida to hear you talk about money. Preach about money, preacher. No, <laughs> I love it. She can be my favorite new person in the world. <laughs> no, so I'm not saying, no, it's about stewardship. And I think this all ties in. And the reason why is the writer of this psalm is Solomon. All right, And Solomon, when he speaks, he's speaking of the building of a house. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Solomon, and I love this about him, he hates all things that are vain. You know, he struggles with his life. If you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, he's just fighting with this whole vanity. Everything's vanity. And he's struggling to find wisdom, and God is granting him wisdom. And in that wisdom, he is really realizing that there are two things, the temporal, which leads to vanity, and the eternal, which leads, and I believe this is, I believe all the nuances are in this Psalms 127 passage, which leads to heritage, Okay? This idea of stewardship, this idea of doing what it takes to walk in the eternal, what it takes to, to move in something that will last and outlast you, it speaks of heritage. And all that Psalm 127 is talking about is doing what it takes in our children's life because they are a blessing and they, the scripture says, are a heritage from us. They proceed from us. And so you can see Solomon, man, his pursuit is one of wisdom. It's a wise thing, listen, to pursue eternal things. Right? It's wise. It takes a wise man to have a long-range view of anything. The, 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 the person that is not wise will always move in the immediate. The person who does not walk in wisdom will always be satisfied with the temporal. I just need to get my whatever it is now. If I can get my fix through the food, that's not wise. If I can get my fix through the drug, that's not wise. If I can get my fix through the pornography right now in this moment, that's not wise. If I can get my fix through this purchase, even though it's on credit, even though I haven't given God a dime, it's not wise. It's the focus of the temporal that is a mark of the lack of wisdom. Not only that, the focus on the temporal, it is the mark of all things, everybody say vain. Yeah, yeah. And Solomon spoke to us about this in Proverbs when he said things like this. Like life is a vapor. It's here for a moment. And like the mist of the morning, it burns off when the rising sun comes. That's kind of like what life is. And so when we're pursuing just the temporal, again, I'm not saying the temporal is wrong. Okay? We're not Gnostics. 
Gnostics are those who have this thought that flesh is bad, spirit is good, you chase the spirit, you leave the flesh alone. No, no, we're holistic people, amen? God saved you mind, body, and soul, amen? So we're not Gnostics, but when it comes down to it, you know, we got to keep our flesh and the desires of our flesh in submission to our spirit. Or we just find ourselves chasing the temporal, the temporal is vain, and the temporal does not produce a heritage. The temporal will not produce something that lasts. Does that make sense? Okay. Amen. So having that wisdom to pursue eternal things, that is something of such that to me speaks to heritage. It's, it's putting myself and my temporal desires in check, saying there's a greater need. Having the eternal on my mind is a mark of wisdom, not folly. I think some people would say, well, if you got heaven on your mind, then you're just full of folly. You're just full of, of, you know, that's just a pipe dream. No, no, no. I think the most wise people are those who have heaven on their mind. The Bible even says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you're having the eternal on your mind is a wise thing because you'll make your steps today different if you know they're going to affect tomorrow. But if I look down tomorrow in a temporal fashion and I just want immediate satisfaction now, I'll have no lasting impact in the future. That, my friends, guess what that is? That's heritage, but that's also another word. It's stewardship. Stewardship of every moment, stewardship of every dime, stewardship of every minute, stewardship of every, every talent, stewardship of every friendship. It's, everybody say stewardship. stewardship. And stewardship, all that is, is a gift from God that he's given me that's not my own, and I'm going to be responsible enough to look to the God of eternity to make decisions in the present that will affect eternity. And I'm in partnership when I do that with God, and what I partner with him and he builds, it is not built in vain. That's some good stuff right there. Amen. All right, so doing things in the moment only for the moment is a mark of base understanding. So if doing things with an eternal perspective is a mark of wisdom, then doing it right now, that's just base. I think I heard Pastor Corey say last week, he said, that's basic. I don't even know what that means, but I think it's something young folks say that means kind of what we're saying, right? You know, when it comes down to it, it's basic, you know, it's just base. Solomon in the psalm is aiming us, this Psalm 127, towards the wise choice of being a good steward and showing us that there's an eternal reward, that in your children there's a reward. Why? Because every soul will last throughout eternity. So in your children there's a wise, eternal reward. In your children there's an opportunity for heritage. So it demands for us to be good stewards. When I think of the idea of God trying to build something, my mind goes to Matthew chapter 16, I think it's verse 18, where it says in that passage that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That sounds like something eternal, doesn't it? It sounds like something that's going to last because he's building it. This church, momentum. This church, the church that's here in Woodstock, the church that's here in the United States, the church that's around the world, his church, Catholic, little C, not big C, I'm just saying the universal church, that idea of all of us together that call his name holy, that, that church, man, it has no end. There's something eternal to it. Upon that rock, I will build my church. There's something eternal. And so to me, I think that Solomon is tapping into this. I really do. This, this heart and this past passion that Solomon learned from his father. Now, don't miss this. That gave him such a heart for the house of God. 
This heart and this passion that Solomon learned from King David. Y'all know that King David was his daddy. Now, heritage can mess you up too. Because, you know, he chased Bathsheba, right? David did. And how many wives did Solomon have? Too many. Because one more wife than one is one too too many. I've been trained enough, Lord. Can you imagine being trained by a thousand women? Lord, have mercy. So that heritage, you can see where David's flaws held him back. But there's some things that David did right. And one of those things, he has such a house, such a heart for the house of God. And so I want to look into the heart of the father, King David, Solomon's father. And and the reason why is because a good heritage is the fruit of good stewardship. Let me say that one more time. A good heritage is the fruit of good stewardship. You know, if a parent is careless in his upbringing of his children and not focused on his children, taking stewardship of time, money, abilities, and such... The children will leave without that heritage, without that benefit of that father or that mother. And so it's good stewardship that produces a good heritage. You can't be wasteful and think you'll leave a good heritage. You can't. You can't be wasteful of your time. You can't be wasteful of your abilities. You can't be wasteful of your resources and think that you will leave a good heritage. If you go back to our children's resource wall down here by Mo Kids, you'll see little jars with, with beads or candy. I can't remember what's in there, but stuff in there. And it speaks to the weeks that you have with your children. And it's an image of saying, this is what you have from 0 to 18. This is what you have from, from, from 6th grade to and so on. This is what you have just from ninth grade on. And that diminishing view, when you go see it, it's just, oh, i got to be a steward of my time. I can't be wasteful and think I'll leave a good heritage. Watch this. In 2 Samuel verse 7, 1 through 3. When the king lived in his house, this is King David, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to the Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. David realized, man, I have a heart to build God something. God's ark, which is a symbol of his presence, is dwelling in a tent, and look at the nice house I'm living in. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. You know, that, that's a good support man, good hype man. Yo, 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 do it, do it, preacher. Yeah, come on, do it. He's just a hype man. That, but then God got a hold of Nathan's heart, and God got a hold of David's heart, and spoke to David. The next few verses deal with the idea that David, no, it's a good heart that you have, but you're not the one to build this house. You're not going to be the one. There was infractions. There was things that David had done that kept him from building the house. Did David pout about that? No, you watch what happens. This is so cool. So David, he had a heart for the house of God. He always did. He even said one time, he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than anything else, you know? Just a servant, a mealy servant in the house of God. He just had a heart for the house of God. In 2 Samuel 7, 16 through 24, we pick the story back up. And it says, in your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. It sounds like heritage, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Jump down to verse 18. Then David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you've brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You've spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And in this instruction for mankind, O Lord God, and what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness. Shout greatness. greatness. I like that. That's a good word. All this greatness to your servant. 
Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, Israel? The one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things. Man, speaking of heritage, this lineage of, of, of power and might and strength and blessing, and it's a heritage it's speaking to. Also things, by driving out before you the people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods, and you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. You can see this whole passage. He has a heart for the house of God. He wants to build God a house. God says, no, it's not for you to build. There's things that you missed. There was blood on your hands. You're not going to build this house. And I love this. He was faithful when he didn't even get to see the fulfillment of what he was sowing into. He had such a heart for the house of God, the temple of God, he didn't care. He began to make provision. Why? Because stewardship has a long-range perspective. I go back to that. Its eye is on heritage and the eternal. That's what it means to be a steward. All right. So watch this in First Chronicles twenty two fourteen through sixteen. And if you understand anything about First Samuel and, and, and First Chronicles, they're 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 mirroring each other, same storyline, just different different you know writings, but very similar. It says this. Watch this. First Chronicles twenty two fourteen through sixteen. With great pains, I have provided for the house of the Lord. Wait a second. You're not even going to see the benefit of this, David. I know, but I believe in it. I believe that God has something that God deserves. I believe that the heritage that God wants to bring forth from my life is something that deserves my long-range perspective. It deserves my stewardship. It, 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 it garners my stewardship. Now, I can't just be a temporal thinker. I can see David here. I can't just, I gotta think long-term, long-range, but it's difficult. With great pains, I have provided for the house of the Lord. Check this, 100,000 talents of gold. If anybody feels like doing that here, feel free. I got a gold guy, come to me. I do, Puccio, one of my friends. <laughs> Every wise man has a gold guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond weighing, for there is so much of it, timber and stone too. I have provided. To these you must add. You have an abundance of workmen and stonecutters, masons and carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working with gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Arise and work. The Lord be with you. I love that. That with great pains, he began to set aside what he needed to build the house of the Lord. Why? He had an eternal perspective. Amen. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you will never tithe. You will never give God sacrificially. Let me say it that way. If you don't get an eternal perspective. Because there's always something you need right now. There's always something. Another vacation. I, gotta, I just got to have it. I've had six vacations this year, but I got to go someplace else. Well, that's fine. Do it. Don't rob God to do it. Amen? Well, money around here must be tight. Pastor's pre No, no, money's good. You know? I'm just saying, when it comes down to it, that temporal perspective will rob us of that long-range stewardship that creates a lasting heritage. It was with great pains that David prepared for the future. And I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes to that, it could be, it could be your talent. Man, it's just difficult for me to get to church and serve. You know, it's difficult. I know, but your kids need to see you doing it. I'm jumping ahead in my sermon a little bit. When it comes down to this, it is with great pains as we sow into his house and so David's son Solomon, he put importance in what David put a priority in, okay? 
Watch this in 2 Chronicles 3, 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord. Who built the house of the Lord? Solomon. Yeah, the son. The son began to build the house of the Lord. He had a heart for the house of God, like his daddy. He built it in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father, at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Oman, the Jebusite. I don't think it's an accident that he picked that place, because I can hear King David saying, man, there was a place, this place of Moriah, where God showed up and spoke to me. God showed up. I'd visit with the Lord there. God, I'd have encounters with God. God would, man, there was a picture of the altar, if you will, struck in Solomon's mind. Daddy went after the heart of God. I'm going after the heart of God. Daddy went after the house of God. I'm going after the house of God. You see how heritage has developed? You see that? Sons value what fathers prioritize. You got a daddy, baseball daddy, baseball daddies, guess what? They have baseball sons. And hunting daddies have hunting sons. Now, obviously, you've got, you've got, you know, different ones. Like, I love to hike. Grant, not so much. <laughs> I've taken him. I took him on what I called his bro mitzvah. When he was a young man, it was a, it was a four-day hike, and we hiked his little legs off, 36 miles, and it was awesome. And the last few steps, the last, like, three or four miles, Daddy, I feel like my soul dies a little more with each and every step. <laughs> So he's limiting me to two days. I can go two days, he says, but four, no. <laughs> but on a whole, it's kind of like that, you know? What, what, what would it look like for God to raise up a generation of parents that had this passion for his altar, that had this passion for the house, that had this passion for serving, that had this passion for missions, that had this passion for the eternal? What would it look like for our kids? I have a feeling they would adapt and they would embrace the heritage of that as well. Amen. In 1 Kings verse 8, chapter 8, verse 12 through 21, then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. And the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David, my father. Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, where is it was in your heart to build a house for my name? You did well with what was in your heart. Now, in other words, that's good, and you provided. It was a painstaking provision that you made. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made, for I have risen in the place of David my father, and I sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built the house of the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, and there I provided a place for the ark in which the covenant of the Lord he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. There was a time in the church history, the last 120 years, that people gave up everything. Why? Because they believed Jesus was coming soon. They believed the rapture was imminent and that Jesus could come at any moment. So why would you hold on to anything? We got to take everybody we can to heaven. Give it all away. Let's just go, go sell everything, get to China, sell everything, get to Africa, sell everything, do what you got to do, build the churches, this and that. 
You know, and there was a movement in the last hundred years. The Pentecostal church has grown to almost a billion people worldwide, passionate people, full of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, not caring about the future, but worried about the eternal. I'm sorry, the present, but worried about the eternal. And that's powerful, and that's beautiful, all right? But what's happened is Jesus hasn't showed up yet. The rapture hasn't happened yet. And an overcorrection has happened to where I don't believe it was right for them to sacrifice everything to the demise of their children's future. And a lot of them did that. No, Jesus wouldn't have. We're good stewards, okay? But an overcorrection has happened to where it's one of those things where I don't know if Jesus will ever show up, so I'm going to live that way. Can I tell you right now, he's coming. I don't know when, but he's going to split the eastern sky. And I want us to take as many people with us as I can, and it's going to take those finances to build his house, to bring people, to reach people, to, to take as many as we can with. And if it's not in my time, like King David, man, painstakingly, I'm still wanting to be a steward because my sons and my daughters are going to move in the things of God. My grandbabies someday, all of, ton, like 20 of them, they're going to move in the things of God. If my mom and, if my mom and dad out of two kids got nine grandbabies, I got five kids, right? I should have like a mess of, of boobalas running around. I really should. I really should. I'm telling you. So when it comes down to this, this passion, I think we have overcorrected and lost that passion. Okay? Can I tell you, I don't want you to rob your family. I don't. Be faithful stewards to take care of your family. But I don't want you to rob God either. I want you to build your house. I do. We'll never be abusive in that. You know your heart of your pastor, you know? But God has a house to be built as well, amen? I want you to sacrifice time to get to the ball field and see your boys, see your girls, do what they do. But I also want you to sacrifice time to serve his kingdom, amen? I do, I do. And, and, and watch this. The second thing I want you to see here is demonstrating value and honor for the house of God, I believe, leads the next generation to value and honor the God of the house, okay? Little ones... They don't see the presence of God, but they do see this house. They see your time invested. They see your, your worship. They see your, your dedication. They see your sacrifice to missions or whatever it is that you're giving. Well, I don't know. Do they see it? Let them see it. It's good for them to see it. It's good for them to hear you make decisions on, honey, we would love to do that. But you know, right now we're supporting five kids in Haiti. And so we're not going to be able to do that this week. Let them hear those conversations as you're wrestling with stewardship. Does that make sense? Okay, demonstrating value and honor for the house of the Lord, I believe leads that next generation to value and honor the God of the house, you know? And as we speak of honor, I don't wanna just tag this on like it's not important because it's super important. I posted a picture of my papa this morning who fought in World War II all through the Pacific theater. And um, man, so, so I want us to take a moment, all of our veterans, if you would, you stay seated and we're gonna have our body stand up and give you a standing ovation, amen? It's Veterans Day. We celebrate everyone that has served, everyone that has served. We celebrate everyone that's serving currently. Amen. 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 That's awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, ladies, for your faithfulness. Amen, 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 amen. Woo. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for what you do for us and for our country, both, both, both in the past and those who are serving currently for us. And so as I get back into the, the scripture here, um, the opposite of this statement is true as well, all right? That idea of demonstrating value and honor for the house, when we don't show honor and value to the house, I believe it sows doubt 
of the validity and reality of God in our children. When we only have a temporal view of life and we run our lives in a temporal sense, then we don't put the eternal perspective in our kids. And, and it's sad because, like I said, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, you know, this, this, this eternal perspective of God. And so the opposite of that statement is true. And what happened, the children of Israel, they began to miss out on the focus of their first couple of kings. Because sin will do that. It causes us to miss the focus of God. It causes us to get into the temporal and to satisfy the temporal. That, that's really all that sin does. It just causes us to act very temporal. Okay? What I need right now in this moment. And so the nation of Israel began to fall from the things of God. And um, let me just say it this way. This God you say you serve, <laughs> you know... Will your, will your children grow up with a thought of this God you say you serve? Why don't I see you sacrifice for him? This God that you tell me is, is real, why don't I see it affect your life? This God that you tell me is so important, why is he only relegated to Sundays in our conversation? And that may only be twice a month. They say the average evangelical in America now goes to church once every, ready for this? Six weeks. Is that crazy? Y'all above average. Come on. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. But that's what they say. I mean, and I can remember a few years ago when it was three and then it was four. And the most recent stat is six. Man. So, so <laughs> um, this, is, this is heavy, okay? Um, but this is just what I wrote. Is he real? Or is he just not that real? Let me say that one more time. Is he real? Or is he just not that real? Because I think a lot of us, when it comes to the stewardship of the eternal, we really, we say he's real, but we act like he's just not that real. Because he's not in the midst of our financial decisions. He's not in the midst of our scheduling decisions. He's an add-on. He's not in the midst of our, our planning, our conversations, because he's an add-on. Amen? So is he real? Everybody shout, he's real. He's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we want to live like that. Amen? We want to live like he's real. And Haggai 1, it says this, this is this nation that had started falling away, and this is the challenge that came. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, watch your mouth, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Man, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to build the house of the Lord. So the house of God had fallen into disrepair. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Is it time for you to have all your stuff when there's still things that God needs done? Again, God wants you blessed, amen? God wants you to prosper even as your soul prospers. But can we really act as if he's real if we're not being real stewards of what he has given to us? It says, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. And I want you to consider this, all right, as we close. Take care of God's house. Amen? When I say God's house, that's serving, that's giving, that's thinking of what God's doing in the world missions-wise. When I say God's house, it's God's hand. It's what God's doing in the city. It may not even be something that momentum's doing. I'm just saying something that, that, that God is doing that has eternal quality. You take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. Now listen, I want to read this and I just want you to listen to the vanity that is spoken in here, okay? And, and we're going to get to promise before we finish, and then that'll be that, all right? So just listen. 
I didn't put any slides up. I want you to really have some introspection as I'm reading this, okay? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Do you hear the vanity in that? In other words, you're accumulating, but it's of naught. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look so much for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I just blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busied himself with your own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew. And the earth has withheld its produce. Now, in supernatural terms, New Testament terms, the dew is a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's a moving of the presence of God. You know? So I'm going to be honest. My pressing on you to become good stewards is selfish. Not because I want us to build a bigger church, okay? I want us to visit, have a visitation. An undeniable visitation of the Holy Spirit in this house. Amen? I can't give my kids everything they need. But I give them a taste for the Spirit of God. I give them a taste for an undeniable moving of the presence of God. The dew of heaven shows up on their hearts just a few times. And they'll never be able to run from that. They'll try, but it'll keep drawing them back. Shout, it's coming. And the earth was withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and all that ground brings forth on man and beast and all their labors. Verse 12, Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as their Lord, their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Remember that wisdom? They feared the Lord. They had wisdom. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And I am the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of their host, their God. I love it. A blessing in their burden, a blessing when they embraced that stewardship of what God had placed in their hands. And that blessing starts to come, and I believe it comes to individual homes. But watch what happens to this body. And this is what I believe. I believe God's going to bless your homes individually. But in Haggai 2, 4 through 9, be strong, all you people of the land. Declares the Lord. Work. Shout work. work. Amen. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. That's a good place to shout right there. For us to prepare ourselves in such a way that God's presence shows up in our own homes, but then collectively shows up here in this house, man, it's worth everything to get our eyes on the eternal, to be stewards. It's worth everything to do that. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I'll give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Man, that's what I want to see happen. Amen? just want to see God do a thing in this place. And um, I feel like next Sunday morning... 
I'm just going to tell it by faith. God's going to show up. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think God's going to wait for us to get to our night of healing. I just don't. I just don't. I, next Sunday morning, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do as we minister. I got a word. As we, we baptize people and hold them down for a long time, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so good. Just until the bubbles stop. <laughs> when the bubbles stop, the sin stops. No. So as I close, to give you some practical things as we get out of here, put on your calendars December 8th. It's a serve day. It's just us getting ready for all the guests that are coming for Christmas Eve. We'll have a bunch of services. I can't even remember. I think it's three services for Christmas Eve. And so, um, um, so get yourselves ready for that. And so on December 8th, we'll have more announcements coming up about that. Just, it's just projects. It's a serve day here on the, on the property. And it's fun. We've had projects like this where we've had just 80, 100 people show up. And we just have a great time working together. And, and so that's good. Second thing I want you to pray about and, and begin is to give sacrificially. If you're not someone that is tithed, you know, ever or, or weekly made a consistent gift to the things of God, I want to challenge you to begin doing that, okay? I, I know it's getting ready to be the holidays, but, you know, delayed um, obedience is still sin, <laughs> okay? And so I'd say do it as quick as you can, you know, making that decision. Hey, God, I'm going to start to be consistent in my sacrificial giving, you know? And so do that. And then the final thing, and you haven't heard me talk about this a lot, but about this time last year, we presented that we were going to look at building a new church building, and we are, and I'm about a 600-seat sanctuary, 650-seat, somewhere on there, sanctuary it is going to be located out that way, most likely. And so I've got, I've got, we've been calling it hope don't quit, you know? People didn't quit on us, and that's why we're here, and we don't want to quit on those that, that, could be coming, okay? And so last year, we began to talk about it. And to be quite honest, I believe God slowed us down this past year of his accord, you know? We were just trying to step out in faith. Just get ready, because the right time to do something is never when it's like upon you. It's, it's beforehand. That's stewardship. So we were just getting ready, okay? And to the tune of getting ready, we're well over half our way to that $300,000 that we need to go ahead and break ground. Amen? <laughs> And so I'm going to give you a few things. One, pray for the finances to come in, okay? If you have not given to this project the way everybody has that has given, they've made a commitment, and I'll ask you to do the same commitment. Here's, here's what the building looks like, um, basically. So it's, it's over that way, okay? What's neat is back there where the, the, the driveway is, the old loop driveway, that'll be a big playground area. There'll be some glass on that corner of our foyer where people can see their kids out there playing, um, we have a vision that the special needs room will have a door that goes right to the playground so that they don't have to have all the, the noise of the hallway if they go out to the playground at any time. Um, so the foyer, go ahead and show the next picture. The foyer um, is large enough to be able to have a couple hundred people at a dinner, you know, which would be nice. So the foyer will be very multi-purpose, the foyer. And so that's not super detailed. You know, but that gives you kind of a picture of the parking. Um, we're going to figure out a way not to lose a couple of these trees because I love them. Um, but it's pretty cool. So it's just give you an idea of where we're headed. And so, um, so the way we've done that is everybody that has given, they gave a one-time largest offering they could possibly give. There was people that gave tens of thousands in that one-time offering, okay? There's people that gave hundreds. There's people that gave thousands and, and so on. But one sacrificial offering saying, hey, I am believing in doing this, you know, and then a monthly commitment for a year. And that's how we've done it. And so whenever you start with that offering, that next month is that monthly starting of that. And you do that for a year and, and you're a part of the team that's 
raising the funds for this, all right? Like I said, it's already halfway there, and so we're excited to invite you into this process as well. And so as you leave, the ushers will have at the door a card you can fill out and turn it in when you're ready to turn it in, okay? So no pressure. That's the way it looks. We'll have a building when God wants us to have a building. In our last facility, we were 5,000 square feet. That's it. And we were running three services, and it was, it was crazy, and then God gave us this. So when it's time, guess what? We'll have it, amen? But I want us to be stewards and be faithful. If God wants us to have it and our disobedience keeps us from having it sooner, that's on us. Okay? So I want us to be obedient. But again, you just, I just don't push real hard on it. So that's one thing is the, the finances. The other thing I want you to pray, 75 people more in attendance on a Sunday morning will allow us to break ground. All right? So it's, it's basically about $145,000 more that we need to raise and about 75 people more in growth. Amen? That's, that, that, that's awesome. 75 more people touched by Jesus? Yeah, you guys can invite people to, to receive a touch from the Lord and walk in the things of God, amen? So that's coming, and when that happens, then we'll, we'll make that happen, all right? So let's pray. Father, right now, we just submit ourselves to you. We are your house and your heritage. We're your children. And as your children, we want to have the Father's heart. And so we embrace your heart, and we ask, Lord, that our next generations will embrace that heart as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.